This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on all things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction of the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank God it's Friday. And as always on Friday, I'm your host, Ben Solak, walking you through the preview for the upcoming slate. Week six, we're starting to get to that time where I don't really remember what week it is because all the numbers blend together. Joined, as always, uh, by my inimitable co-hosts, Stephen Ruiz and Kalen Jones. Fellas, how we doing? Are you wearing a Maryland hat? I am, because I got yelled at last week for wearing the Iowa hat after the Maryland loss. So I went and found it, and I got the Terps rocking them today. I love it. I love it. I wanted to find, when I first got this hat, a hat so much more garish with the yellow and black checks, but I just couldn't find one that I didn't absolutely hate. So I got to get one of those, because those are nasty, but they make me laugh. Oh, yeah, the Maryland flag aesthetic on clothing it's horrible to me i don't I, for <laughs> the uniforms so it, it, it works sometimes but like pete when i went to the school like people would wear like shorts like that and it was just the worst look and i wanted to fight all of them yeah it's abysmal it. who do they play this weekend uh i don't even know i checked out <laughs> well anyway go Damn. terps baby oh they went to from nas- national champion contenders to Getting smacked by Iowa. I, I, I'm glad that and you... Ohio State. And Ohio State. Oh, and Ohio State. Damn, man. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, but that's, 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 you know, that's to be expected. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. that you like the jersey aesthetic, though, because I will fight people on some of those. Some of them are ugly, but I'll fight people on some of them. Wait, wait. I... It was to be expected that they would lose to Ohio State, but that didn't stop me from betting on them plus 30. <laughs> and, and that bet oh, flying out the window by the third quarter. It's all right. Steven, who's the better talk about lower quarterback, Tua or Talia? Oh, you already know the answer to that. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to No, 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 but I'd like for you to say it in crystallized audio form. That can Maryland never has ever. the best tag of brother. There it is. By far. It's not even yep. close. Ooh, boy. Uh, Tua making his return this week uh, in one of our games, which I think we get to in the final segment. But at the top, uh, breaking NFL news, tectonic shift in the league, consequent ripple effects for years to come. Eagles have traded tight end Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals for Tay Gowan, who I am told 
it, the Eagles, like, Rap had a tweet where they're like, Eagles loved him in the draft. He was a sixth-round pick. <laughs> Eagles had nine picks <laughs> that they could have taken Tay Gowan with. Anyway, get Tay Gowan a corner out of UCF and another fifth-round pick. Uh, this is a clear response to the Max Williams injury. The Cardinals lost their starting tight end uh, with a broken leg. I think he's out for the season, if memory Correct. serves. I'll double-check mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. uh, from the jump, how much do we think this matters for Arizona? Is this a real needle mover, yes or no? Eh. Yeah. I'm in the eh. <laughs> I don't you've you've watched Ertz more than us as an Eagles fan. Like, do you think he can still play a little bit? So Ertz is an interesting one because he's definitely cooked athletically. Mm-hmm. But he's not been a player who's won with athleticism ever in his career. Like Ertz in his prime was winning with route running and leverage and toughness, right? Like, oh, like, you know, uh, ex-Eagles quarterbacks coach John Filippo, who is their quarterbacks coach during the Super Bowl run, had a quote he gave where he was like, I don't think there's a player in the league at any position who plays with better leverage than Ertz. Like he just understands how to get between you and where you want to be, whether it's posting up for a ball or blocking on a run or whatever. So he's the sort of dude whose play translates even though he's past his prime because he's just got good nuance. He's got good understanding. I don't think that's going to, you know, lead to explosive plays, but that's not really what the Cardinals need, right? The Cardinals wanted consistent target over the middle of the field, consistent safety valve sort of a guy. They were getting explosives from Max Williams, but they don't really need that with Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins. So to me, it makes sense for what they need. Again, I don't think it's too much of a needle mover, but it still is a nice thing to have. It's a, it's a safety blanket. Yeah. And, uh, he hasn't gotten targeted much this year, but his numbers are on the rise compared to last year. Uh, like in isolated situations, he's back to being a, an effective player. He only has eight targets so far, but 0.9 EPA per target, 87% success rate. That Those numbers were way down last year. So at least now he's winning on those routes, and maybe he gives them a Larry Fitzgerald-type player. Obviously, those those targets for Fitzgerald last year weren't effective. Mm-hmm. but Fitzgerald did make some key catches on third down, and maybe that's what Ertz does in this offense right. now. Yeah, yeah and uh, the the Cardinals are going to miss Williams over the middle. Like, when you look at those route trees, I think Kyler – and I think that touchdown against the Rams was a great example. Like, they, they trust him over the middle of the field. And I'm curious if Ertz, you know, with the, even without having the necessary athleticism, provides a pretty safe, reliable target in those situations, whether it's short or in that, you know, running those seam outs over the middle. Yeah, I uh, I do think, right, like to Steven's point, if we get one critical third and seven conversion from Zach Ertz against the Rams when they play, you know, again in the regular season, worth it. You know what I mean? Take Allen hadn't taken a snap for them. 2022 fifth round pick. You know what I mean? Like if he gives you that, we're all right. You know what I mean? Uh, he won't give him that this week. Transitions. Because he can't play because he already played this week, uh, which – would be hilarious, by the way. I absolutely think the league should change this rule because of the fantasy implications. Can you imagine how furious the fantasy football community would be if Ertz gets to score twice this week because he gets to play in two games? But anyway, I can't play this week because he's already playing on Thursday Night Football, so he's out for the Cardinals' upcoming game against the Browns, which is one of our games of the week uh, for obvious reasons. Right now, it's a three-point line. It's two top contenders in their divi- in their conferences, excuse me. And obviously, the Cardinals still carrying their undefeated record, but some chinks in the armor probably you would say showed up in a 17 to 10 win over the San Francisco 49ers last week. And so Kalen, this one's for you. Cardinals Browns. We're not watching Zach Ertz. What are we watching for? Uh, So first of all, you're going to be looking at the Cardinals offensive line. Rodney Hudson, not going to be available this week because of rib injury. That's pretty significant. 
uh, not only because of how Cliff Kingsbury has talked about how important his presence has been for Kyler and how they've been able to set everything at the line of scrimmage and game planning. Um, Cleveland presents a pretty formidable front. Uh, they're, I think you mentioned it last week, Ben. Like their edge rushers are, like three of their edge rushers are in the top ten of ESPN's pass rush win rate. Now they're in the top five. Clowney's second, Tack McKinley's third, Miles Garrett is fifth. Um, they also have Malik McDowell, who is a pretty damn good player this season. Um, here's the interesting thing: like Pro Football Reference has Kyler Murray as like, registered as the second fewest quarterback hits this year, only four. He's only been pressured on twenty percent of his passes. Uh, meanwhile, Cleveland has the third highest pressure rate, but they're only blitzing uh, at the eighth lowest rate. So they're generating pressure without needing to blitz, which is a pretty good formula um, against Kyler Murray. And that being said, especially going into a matchup where you have a scrambling quarterback who succeeds um, being able to extend plays and create after, you know, those first couple seconds where, you know, you're assuming blitzers are able to get up to the passer. So, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup for Kyler because I don't think they've played a, a defense that poses the type of pass rush that Cleveland does, but I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on that. Steve? Yeah, I think – well, I'm interested to see how Kyler's movement ability affects the rush because you do have to slow down the ends a little bit. They can't just come screaming off the line of scrimmage and, you know – give up their gap integrity because if they do that Kyler's going to run for 25 yards and if you watch other teams play scrambling quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson I'm going to get into this when we talk about the Chargers Ravens game but if you watch them against the Broncos the Broncos were blitzing I think they blitzed them like two-thirds of the time but they weren't sending blitzes to to necessarily sack them it was to keep them in the pocket and I wonder mm -hmm. if Cle Cleveland uses a similar strategy but I don't know if they're going to do that by blitzing because Kyler has been good against the blitz this year I think it will be more four-man rushes just contain him in the pocket don't let him get outside getting a, if you get a sack great but if you don't it's fine as long as you don't let him get outside the pocket because that has the, the passing game has been reliant on Kyler's ability to create yep. yeah the uh, uh I was searching for quotes for something else like you're know, kind of doing that whole you know just kind of like looking for stuff thing and I stumbled on this Dean Pease quote he was talking about defending Lamar when he was with the Titans and it was basically just like you do not rush him with the intent of tackling him. Like you have to understand that you're rushing with the hope that you're going to get him to throw the football, which is extremely counterintuitive. But if you can rush and get him to throw the football from the pocket in time, yeah, like that's what we want. And that's the thing is when you, when you go to match up against an offense as a defensive coordinator, you're not really thinking, okay, how do we stop every single thing they do? Cause you don't, you don't get to do that. It's, it's very difficult. It's impossible. The numbers don't work. The talent doesn't work. It's just, unless you're like the 85 Bears, whatever, you don't get to do that. So you say, all right, how do we want them to beat us? If we lose this game, they move the ball on us. How are they going to do it? What's it going to be, right? And when you look at Kyler uh, in the Cardinals offense in general, they're very heavy, like quick game stuff, right? Like they'll get the ball out of the pocket right away. Tough to take that away with pressure because the ball is going to come out before you can get there. So that's a matter of our defensive backfield needs to tackle. And then they're really dangerous, not on quick game, but on like super, super late game, right? Like Kyler's held the ball for three seconds, three and a half seconds, four seconds. And you're like, holy smokes, like this is dangerous because it means he's going to scramble or he's going to push the ball down the field. So ideally you have him throwing from the pocket intermediate, throwing from the pocket to his second read, like not getting into that quick game stuff. So you got to win early downs, stay ahead of the sticks, and then force him to stay in the pocket. Very, very difficult to do. But 
and this is what keeps coming back to me whenever I watch this Browns defense, the team speed is just nuts. They can just fly, right? Like, I think everyone's really excited about second-round rookie Jeremiah Wusukomura. I understand why. Uh, he's playing great. He's got, you know, some problems that we all expected. But still, like, he's just so fast in the second level. And then you watch Ronnie Harrison playing at linebacker, and Harrison's a safety. So, yeah. comparatively, he looks really fast in the second level. John Johnson's doing the same thing. Greedy Williams is fast from the roof. And so, to me, they have this sort of team speed where when you when, – if you're able to – rally to quick game and make tackles, and then also control Kyler afterwards, yes, I think that you can get some good stops in this game. I still go back to like that 50-yard bomb Kyler had to Rondell Murray, or Rondell Murray, uh, Rondell Moore against the Niners, and it's like, okay, well, you never stop that. So it's a matter of how many stops can you get, because at this point, I think this, this Cardinals offense has become a, they're going to get theirs on you. You just have to survive the ones that they don't. Yeah, and that's the thing. So the Cardinals offense... They're going to get theirs, right? But the thing is, I think Cleveland has a chance offensively to also do some damage. We know last week, like you mentioned, Ben, like last week, San Francisco kind of exposed the Cardinals defense a little bit. I know they didn't put up a lot of points, but they exposed them in the sense that they are susceptible to a very good rushing offense. And so the Cardinals defense giving up an explosive carry on 19% of opposing carries, which is dead last, even Kansas City's defense is like at 16% and four tight of 14. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how they match up against Cleveland's rushing game, which just gashed the car, the, the chargers defense last week. They're first in terms of explosive run rate. Um, and you have two guys in Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt who are able to go, not just two three quarters. They will pound you for a full 60 minutes, which is crazy for a crazy matchup for, I think like guys like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Like I, I think that they're, going to be you know in a lot of putting in a lot of stressful situations this week I I don't know how significant the loss of Chandler Jones I think that he's um injured this week or on the COVID list uh going into this matchup but I'm curious to see how this front seven kind of matches up again and deals with Cleveland's front because Stefanski just schemes everything so well and Bill Canahan too too they're off the line coach they scheme everything up so well to where their outside zone scheme is always seemingly effective and generates big plays similar to a college style offense where they they can rely on the run game and generate these explosive plays yeah we have nick chubb not practicing on friday it's his third consecutive day of not practicing kareem hunt was out on the practice field on friday after not practicing wednesday and thursday so there's a chance we don't get nick chubb for me personally when i watch kareem hunt I think he's like a top 10 back. He's so good. And I know it's tough figuring it out because he's behind that Browns offensive line. But it's worth remembering, you know, Hunt ends up on this second team with the Browns, whatever, because of the legal situation he had in Kansas City and kind of all the fallout from that. And so it wasn't a player who, you know, didn't get a second contract from his original team because of a talent problem. So it's easy to forget just how talented he is when he's on the field. Steven, if there's no Chubb, how much are we discounting this Browns running game? Can they still just take over for four quarters if Kareem Hunt is the bell cow for this week? I mean, I think it definitely makes it worse. I'm not going to do the nerds thing where like it doesn't matter who's back mm-hmm. there. I think Chubb is one of those running backs that makes a difference, and you can see that in the advanced metrics, like rushing yards over expected. He performs well every season. And – I agree with you. I think that's it, a good backup to have. Kareem Hunt, I, I don't think I've seen him tackled all season long. Every time I see right, him, he's yeah, scoring yeah. a touchdown. <laughs> but, uh, 
This just seems like the type of game, and I, Kalen alluded to this, it's a linebacker game for the Cardinals. Anytime you play this type of offense, it's a linebacker game, maybe a safety game. And this is not the type of game that I necessarily want Collins and Simmons to play in because of the misdirection stuff, and they're going to have to react to the run, and they're going to have to you know, turn around and pick up crossers on play-action fakes. And I, I don't know if they're mentally there to handle – everything that Stefanski is going to throw at them because we do, we know the offense is built around the wide zone run, right? But Stefanski, his run game has diversified over the last year or so. He's running a lot of counter. He's running a lot of power. He's pulling guards. There's Mm -hmm. a lot. These two linebackers are going to have to deal with mentally. And I don't know if they're ready to do that yet. So I think the Browns are going to score a lot of points. I think it will look like last week when they were scoring every drive, basically, instead of come down to the defense. We also have uh, Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills have both sat out on practice all week. Uh, so the with with uh, Chris Hubbard already on injury reserve, I'll be very honest. I have no idea who the Browns tackles might end up being. I this is not something that 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 I ha- I do not have the Browns fourth and fifth tackles mentally saved, unfortunately, for live podcast consumption. So could be offensive line beat up, could be running back room beat up. But I agree, and I think that's the point that we're kind of circling around here is. I have enough trust in Bill Callahan, Kevin Stefanski, the variety uh, of what they do in in that running game to imagine that they're able to run the ball effectively against Arizona. I think that they're able to rip off some explosive gains. We like, this is all good. Isn't, and I'm like devil's advocating here a little bit. Isn't Kyler so much better than Baker, Oklahoma quarterback revenge game, by the way, that none of this matters and the Cardinals just, they're going to be able to win if it's close late, because if it's, if it's shootout, if it's back and forth, like we saw what happened with Baker in the two minute drill last week, like it just nothing was there. So this is all well and good, but if this is still like a one score game in the fourth quarter, huge advantage Cardinals, right? Yes. If it's a one score game. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. The problem I have, I think Kyler is yes, significantly better than Baker, but the way that he's been good this year, we I still don't know if it's sustainable. Like I had I think he has enough talent to sustain this for 17 games. I just don't know if it's going to show up consistently every week and maybe this is one of the weeks where it doesn't show up and the offense struggles a little bit like it did last week. And like I said, I think Cleveland's offense is going to do well enough. I know they're they're banged up on the offensive line, but I I believe Chandler Jones isn't playing, just popped up on the COVID list. Right. that's going to be an mm-hmm. issue. So it's really like J.J. Watt. If J.J. Watt can make enough plays against this run game, and really what J.J. Watt is now is just a guy that, like, guesses and tries to, like, get in the backfield and get a TFL. If he doesn't get that, like, he's not doing anything else. If he can get a couple big plays, maybe force Baker to fumble, maybe kill a drive with a TFL, then I think the Cardinals could win this game. But I'm, I'm picking the Browns. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat because – like you said, like, Steve, I don't want to parrot you. Like, I, I don't know if this is sustainable, and I do see this as being a game where Kyler could easily have a drop-off, especially without, again, safety valve Max Williams being out. I think that's kind of significant for what they tried to do in the past game. They're not, you know, really varied. I know that they have different outside weapons when you talk about Rondale Moore and DeAndre Hopkins, what they are able to provide in terms of diverse um, weapons. But I, I, I don't know. Again, it Ben mentioned it earlier. Like, the team speed that Cleveland has – specifically within that secondary, they're not going to give up too many big plays. I know that this sounds ludicrous to say, considering how bad they were against the Chargers last week, but if they don't have two, you know, brain malfunctions, I guess, or miscommunications within the secondary, you don't have Mike Williams running free. 
for what a 70 yard pass and another 50 yard touchdown like those were two complete miscues other than that everything was pretty much in front of them and I I don't see that happening this week yeah I uh to me right the the heat this is a heat check game for the Browns defense for me preseason Browns defense was getting a lot of hype and I was like I want to see it before I believe it it's a young group a lot of new guys I don't really know what Joe Woods exactly wants to be through the first five weeks of the season everything is great right like breaking news breaking news on the pod Chubb is not playing. Chubb's officially Uh, out? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Listen, I don't know what the Kareem Hunt rushing yard line is going to open at. I'm going to take the over. (laughs) That's your – you're sick that that's your first thought. You're sick, (laughs) sick person. I just think – I think that – we, I think that we're going to get a reminder as to how good Kareem Hunt is on Sundays. You know what I mean? Like when he's not the foil to Chubb, when you're like, all right, he's the second best back on this team. He's still really, really, really good. And so that's my overarching thought in general, Steven. What you realize when you work with Ben for a couple weeks is that every football conversation, he's somehow trying to bring it back to a player prop of some sort. (laughs) Somehow he finds a way. I'm still impossibly (laughs) tilted from Bucks minus six and a half last night, but that's a different conversation for a different time that would take up half of this podcast if I got going. I like the Browns, as I was saying. I think that the right. I think that there's a big heat check play for the defense. I think they've been very impressive through five weeks. I agree that there's still communication problems in a largely newly gelling back seven, and all that's true. But I think they've got great man cover guys. I think that Denzel Ward's playing outside of his mind has a huge matchup with DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's able to win that enough. I think they're able to generate enough disruption, generate enough explosiveness on defense that they can take the wind out of the sails for Arizona. And even if it is still a one score game late, we saw that last week when they're in a you know, neutral game script in the fourth quarter, they'll still run it. Yep. Like they, they'll they put together a huge, fast scoring drive with running plays because they have that ability to move you up front. So even with the injuries, I, I think, yeah, I think that this is a Browns win. So are we in consensus here, Kalen? Yeah, consensus Browns, yep. Oh, two, week, all right. two weeks ago, we were in consensus on the yep. Cardinals losing, and I switched my pick. <laughs> at the last second, I was right against the Rams. Not going to do that this game. But I will say this, if the Cardinals win, win this, I'm willing to say they're Super Bowl contenders. I'm not there yet, but if they win this and they go 6-0 and and they beat the Browns, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. They're, they're always going to be a tough team to trust because of volatility, but, man, when they're at their peak, <sighs> tough to beat. Yeah. All right. Our second game of the week is actually the Browns' opponent from last week. We kind of alluded to that game, the Chargers, who come out with a statement win, and they're now facing the Ravens and MVP candidate. Lamar Jackson had an unbelievable game late against the Colts to win that one on Monday Night Football. Kate or Steven. Yeah, this one's Steven. We just talked to Caitlin. Steven, what am I looking for? Chargers, Ravens. Uh, how Staley's going to defend Lamar Jackson. I think we kind of yeah. previewed this a couple weeks ago. Or we, we got excited about it when the, the Ravens played the Broncos. Obviously, Vic Fangio, Staley run similar defenses. So I went back and watched that game to see how the Broncos defended the Ravens and maybe – that's how Staley will do it. Played a lot of base defense. Blitzed a lot. I said this earlier. 65% of the time they blitz Lamar. A lot of cover zero. But it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't blitzing to get after the quarterback. It was to contain him in the pocket. And they were playing cover zero type looks. I think it was more of a quarters look. I couldn't really tell. You can never tell with Fangio what the coverage is. Mm-hmm. But their safeties were coming down and taking the, the slot receivers at the tight end. So it was basically blitz coverage on the back end. Like one-on-one, if you get beat, beat deep, you're getting beat deep. We saw it on the Hollywood Brown touchdown. And I think that was to have eyes. So those second-level defenders had eyes at Lamar 
at all times. So if he scrambled, they could get him. I don't think he scrambled that much this game, actually. I, I, I forgot to look it up, but I don't think he did. Watching the film, I don't recall a, a lot of times when he got outside the pocket. So they won in that regard. But here's the problem with Lamar. He's evolved this year. He's yeah. evolved. He's throwing downfield, and he's making those throws that he didn't used to make outside the numbers, down the middle. He's doing it all. And that burned the Broncos, and I wonder – what Staley takes away from that film. Cause it's, I'm sure he watched it and I'm sure he's basing his game plan around what happened in that game. So will we see the blitzes? Will we see more that, you know, cover four, put a roof on them? I don't know, but I'm interested to see. And I think that's going to decide the matchup, how the chargers are able to slow down this Ravens run game, because we've seen this chargers run defense and it's not good. All right. Now I want to ask this because I, I've just been like, I've been feeling it more than I've been thinking it, but I think that it's got veracity to it. Ravens running game remains good because I don't think a running game that features Lamar could ever be less than, but with that said, offensive lines really like they, they wanted to shore it up this year, get Ronnie Staley back draft Ben Cleveland. Well, Staley's not playing. Ben Cleveland's not playing. And in general, like losing Orlando Brown hurts your running game. Like he was a mauler up front. Offensive line's not playing that well. And then obviously the, the backfield beyond Lamar, the running backs, Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, Tyson Williams, just been like benched after looking decently good to start the season. I am not like, if you ask me which running game I'm more afraid of X's and O's perspective, Browns last week or Ravens this week, I'm more afraid of the Browns. And so while this does present problems and dealing with Lamar is always an issue. And how Staley does that, because he's a very innovative guy, he's borrowed ideas from college before, is fascinating. I don't think you're, 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 you're obviously trying to stop the Lamar running game on early downs, but I don't think it's as scary as it has been in years past. I don't think it's as scary as the Browns was. No, I would agree with that. The problem is, for me at least, is the Chargers personnel, uh, Drew Tranquil will be out this game, so they're losing a linebacker. Nasir Adderley might miss the game. He didn't practice on Thursday. That's another safety. He's been a big thing, a big cog in their run fits coming into the box late. Mm-hmm. So the personnel issues might cause some problems. I the issue when you're playing Lamar is you get to dictate who who keeps the ball right because you're the defense and that Lamar's reading a unblocked defender and what, whatever that defender does, that's how he decides whether to keep the ball or not. And I think the key here will be keeping the ball out of Lamar's hands. Because like you said, when the, when the ball's been in the running back's hands, the Ravens' run game has been – it's been good, but it hasn't been what it's been in the past. Their explosive plays all come when Lamar Jackson has the ball in his hands. So that's, that's kind of the chess mas- match I want to see is Roman and Staley trying to – well, Roman's going to be trying to keep the ball in Lamar's hands. Staley's going to try to put the ball in the running back's hands. And whoever wins that matchup, I think, is going to win the game. Because the Ravens have to score to keep up with this uh, Chargers offense because the defense is just a mess right now. It, but All that's right. the thing. That's why I would take the Ravens defense over the Browns – or, excuse me, the Ravens rushing game over the Browns only because it's a numbers game. And, again, like, when you have – the most dangerous guy with the ball in his hands is Lamar Jackson out of that collection of people, including Nick Chubb when he's fully healthy, I think. So I, I don't know. I I think I take the Ravens only because he's the most dynamic. Lamar is the most dynamic of those ball carriers. Right. That's the that's the that's why I say like yeah. From an X's and O's perspective, it's the Browns. But then once you line up and you see number eight, you're like right, ah, right. This sucks. This is the worst. I hate everything. Um, I'm like this this interplay for the the running game is is super interesting. It's the most college inspired running game in the NFL right now versus the most college inspired defensive front in the NFL right now. So like. 
we get to see like you know gt counter against tight front it's gonna feel like watching oklahoma against iowa state all over again good stuff (laughs) ben Uh, Ben, have you seen that defense i think georgia played against georgia tech but defenses use it against like triple option teams where they have like the linebacker yeah stacked over the other linebacker the brown the broncos did that against the ravens two weeks oh fangio's done that before like randomly like he's pulled that out in years past how much did they do it because i haven't watched that defense uh i only saw like twice Anyway, three times. Yeah. Georgia did it with Ro- with Roquan Smith against Georgia Tech a few years ago, right? Where he could, it's literally like, to, if you can envision it, envision a defensive line, envision a Mike linebacker behind the defensive line, and then envision a second Mike linebacker directly behind that first Mike linebacker behind the defensive line. And it's just to, wherever this option run goes, we're going to get two guys flowing right there because we understand that we need that extra body. Um, yeah, Fangio might do some wild nonsense. It's it's like the football equivalent of like when two kids like get on each other's shoulders and put like an adult's yep. clothing on. It's like that, but with linebackers. <laughs> yeah, super middle linebacker. Um, okay, so yeah, flipping onto the other side, I look at a defense that just had every non-Marlon Humphrey man cover defender picked on against the Indianapolis Colts and Carson Wentz. And then I've got Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert coming to town. And so even if Marlon Humphrey wins against Mike Williams for the entire game, which Marlon's good, but Mike Williams is playing real good right now. Mike Williams hasn't practiced, though. Oh? He might not play. He's got a knee injury. We're at that point in the year, man, where everybody's some sort of nicked up, banged up. Regardless, the Chargers have shown the ability to distribute the football. Austin Eckler's been a big part of the receiving game. They have multiple tight ends who matter in the receiving game. Uh if they try to live in man against Herbert, which I'm going to guess is how they do it, uh, especially when they get condensed sets, right. And they want to be able to put all those guys in the box and then blitz and play man behind it. I think like that's what Washington wanted to do a little bit, right. They wanted to rush five and then play man in that week one game against Herbert and Herbert just ate him alive. Uh, I agree with you, Steven, in the sense that I don't think like this is, this is Ravens shootout territory because I don't think they're going to be able to buy a stop against the chargers. Yeah. I think this is a, I think the problem with the Ravens' defense so far has been the spine of the defense up the middle. Like, I think the defensive line is fine up the middle, but the linebackers have been so bad. Yep. Harrison and Queen have – Harrison was just awful against the Colts. And then Averitt was getting picked on, like you mentioned. I think the Colts went like 11 for 12 when they when they targeted him, and the one incompletion was a bad throw by Carson Wentz to a running back. So – I think that's the game plan. If Mike Williams plays and they can get him isolated on Averitt, mm-hmm. that's going to be a matchup they abuse all game long. But even if he doesn't play, I think this is a big Jarrett Cook game against yep. those linebackers. I think it's oh. a, I don't I don't I don't know if you know the over under on his yardage total, but I would ham, hammer the over. <laughs> I'm gonna guess it's thirty three point five. That's gonna be my guess. We'll figure it out in a sec. I uh, when I did a, I did like a one X factor for every team sort of piece uh before the season my x factor for the ravens was patrick queen and malik harrison and it's because for very few defenses is the linebacking course so important because the ravens just aren't going to hide them they're if they're rushing five rushing six then one of those guys is expected to be a free rusher and the other one of those guys is expected to be manning up a tight end or a running back like you have to be able to work that on passing downs they're struggling with that but then they're not even giving base. Like Patrick Queen cannot defend the run right now. He's not taking on blocks, and mm-hmm. like not even trying. And and at LSU, it was like, all right, this isn't his strength, but at least he's like going for it. Well, now he's just yeah. fully playing 
I'm trying to be a slippery boy. Like I'm trying to be a, like a safety, you know what I mean? Just like duck and, and dodge and die. There's no physicality to this game. It's really disappointing to see because he's still got a quick trigger. He's still physical, but trying to make a tackle, but his tackling's fallen and his block de- deconstruction's bad. It really puts their, their defense is not built to hide bad linebacker play. No defense really is, but the Ravens defense really, really, really is not. So that's, that's the big worry in this one for me. Yeah. This is uh the chargers is a slight dog in this game, but I think it, listen, I think the Chargers win it. And I understand that, like, yes, the Chargers keep putting themselves in these fourth quarter holes and they need to score, like, 20 points and have multiple fourth down conversions. And regression is eventually going to come. But they're really good. And it's hard to bet against them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they have the best quarterback in the league, too. <laughs> I actually, so. okay, so I have a take later that's going to try to challenge you uh, uh, to, to get your ranking. So you officially decide where Justin Herbert is. But that's 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 for, uh, for okay. after the ad break, after our takes. I don't know. I, I think the Chargers for I, I think again the similar to Kyler like Ben just mentioned. There eventually the regression is going to come, and I think going up against a team like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, who's played as well as he has, and the fact that the Ravens are able to generate so much so many explosive plays in the passing game, like they haven't been necessarily reliant on the running game to do the damage that it's typically done in past years. They're first in explosive pass rate this year. The Chargers. Um, don't give up too many explosive pass rates or explosive pass plays, but they're definitely susceptible. And if Nas Adderley is not playing, then I definitely think it's going to be an issue. Yeah, that was one of the things I'm. I want to see how it plays right. out because Lamar has been just throwing the ball downfield. Like his, yeah, I think he 10. has the only dot in the league. double yep. digits right now, and he's completing those passes. And then we know about Brandon Staley, like the the whole concept of this right. defense, the whole foundation is not giving up explosive plays in the passing game and putting a roof on the, on the passing game. So it's kind of like a battle of strengths. And you look at the passing game, it's interesting from an X's and O's uh, standpoint. The run game is interesting. I think this is like yeah. one of the best games of the year, and I'm really excited for it. But, I'm I, yeah, I'm going to take the uh, Chargers too. I think their offense, their passing game is just so much more reliable and stronger. I know they're relying on, on late downs, third downs, but Herbert is amazing, and he's just, like, perfectly suited. Yeah. To Everyone should read Steven's piece on Herbert if they haven't. Uh, I will say, man, Lamar was plus 2,500 for MVP before the Colts game, which is not a betting thing. It's just a, what a place where he was. He was, like, 10th uh-huh. highest odds. He's behind <laughs> Rodgers, behind Mahomes. Man, if they beat the Chargers, the way we expect them to beat the Chargers, which is very heavily on his running game and his downfield passing game, holy smokes! He he's like plus twelve hundred. How much now. did like he get a boost after the Colts game? I'm, I'm uh, assuming he did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, still pretty good odds. Man. He might be the first MVP to actually win MVP by being the most valuable player, and not just being the best quarterback. Like he, he's going to win the award because of the name of the award, which would be nice. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are on. Uh, to games which you need games, our second segment of the show, where we have games that are kind of interesting, but not games of the week interesting, but not really bad. And so we want to talk about them, but we want to talk about them in specific or funny ways. We usually open with uh, Steven either must winning a team or canceling a team. Teams Steven has canceled are three and one winning immediately after Steven cancels them, I want to say. Or is it is, or is that the Saffron must win? Regardless, Steven canceled, I want to mm-hmm. say, the Steelers, and then they beat the Broncos, which was very odd. Uh, so we go to Steven now for the team that he thinks definitely doesn't matter for the rest of the season, who will absolutely win the next game they play. I'm canceling the Panthers because I put oh, them on. Your home team, Panthers. Damn. Yeah, I'm sorry. They I was really excited about this team before the Eagles game, but that Eagles game just it, it killed any enthusiasm I had for the rest of the season. It, like you can't lose to the Eagles if you want to be a playoff team. And I said this last week. It wasn't just a must-win watch. It was they had to blow out the Eagles for me to take them seriously. Not only did they not win, they lost the game somehow. They choked the game away. So, yeah, I'm. Here's the, here's the thing. The offensive line isn't any good. Sam Darnold still has Sam Darnold in him, as we saw this last week. And we saw flashes of this even when he was hot at the beginning of the year. He was still making Sam Darnold plays, taking bad sacks putting the ball in questionable places. And then we just saw it all come to a head on Sunday, all their issues. And if they can't get a consistent pass rush, I just don't see how they win any games. Like against the Cowboys, you kind of saw it. They were getting pressure, but Dak Prescott is just so good at beating it that it didn't matter. It was as if they weren't getting pressure. And we saw the problems on the back end of that defense. Now they're bringing in Stephon Gilmore, but I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with him. We haven't seen him play high-level football in like two years now, and he had a gruesome lower leg injury, or I think it was a hamstring injury. But we don't know if he's going to be good. He's on the wrong side of 30 now. We don't know if he's going to affect that team. So I'm, I'm out. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. It's really quite something how well Brady was hiding how bad this offensive line was. Right, like on the uh, on the graphs that the nerds put out, where it's like pass block win rate on one axis and PFF grade on the other axis, they and the Dolphins are bottom left, and like the Dolphins' offensive line is like a running gag. It's like a joke that we make weekly, and nobody was like, "Oh, but the Panthers." And then you look back at the personnel and look back at how they played. Even the Panthers were winning. Holy smokes, horrible! And so, right, that that's a tough thing to to conceal across the course of a season and then throw in the fact that the quarterback doesn't do great under pressure and you get the offensive performance you did against the Eagles. Yeah. I I think that, well, I do think it's a good thing that we saw this version of Darnold on Sunday, because if they would have given him a contract in the off season, I think it's something they regret. So maybe this (laughs) dose of reality is a good Mm -hmm. thing for the franchise going forward, but who knows? Yeah. I'm excited to see this Phil snow defense, get another crack at a wide zone team because the Cowboys just ate them alive. And structurally, this is supposed to be a defense that can stop wide zone, and they just weren't big enough, right? Now Minnesota's offensive line, a little bit lighter. Maybe no Dalvin Cook again. I know he's banged up. Alexander Madison's still a good player. This, If this defense is going to stick in the league, it's got to be able to stop wide zone rushing teams, and they couldn't do it mm. against the Cowboys. I feel like the Vikings' offense is like a perfect litmus test for defenses. Like it's just like an average offense that 
has the potential to like go off on teams. And if you're one of those teams that gives up a big day to Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook, your defense probably isn't that good. Or it's not like great. If you're a team that just absolutely shuts them down like the Browns did a couple of weeks ago, then yeah, your defense is probably legit. So I, th- I do think this is a good test for Phil Snow. Yeah, the holy line of demarcation. But in this case, it's the Kirk Cousins line of demarcation. All right. Uh, our next game, which need games, uh, Packers versus Bears, a game that low-key, I think the Bears might win. And we have a buying or selling for Kalen. So, Kalen, please, dear God, tell me you're with me on this Bears upset. Um, I, I'm oh, not dang. with you on the Bears that was not upset. That was not an encouraging uh, Yeah, th- not, not with you there. But I am questioning, like, whether or not we should buy or sell the Packers. There has not been a single game this year yet where they've played 60 minutes and I've been like, wow, the Packers look like a dominant Super Bowl contending team. I mean, maybe you can make the case for the Niners game, but they scored on, you know, when they scored on six out of, I think, 10 drives in that matchup, mm-hmm. but they still managed to give it up late until Devontae Adams went nuclear. By the way, read Stephen's piece on Devontae Adams. Really That's enjoyed right. that this week, man. Um, that being said, I mean, they they haven't looked great, and... I mean, they're pretty middle of the pack in DVOA. They're 15th. I know that their offense is still top 10 because they have Aaron Rodgers. But this is different because in years past, just, you know, thinking, okay, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, that would be enough. I, I don't watch this team, especially after last week against the Bengals, who aren't necessarily a slouch, but they're kind of middle of the pack. They don't look, they don't look dominant. Mm-hmm. And so, I, again, it's like I'm selling the Packers all my Packers stock this year. Which is right. rare because I'm an Aaron Rodgers stand. That that <laughs> Bengals game for Rodgers, it it felt like a late era McCarthy game, where yep. he, it seemed like mm-hmm. he was pressing to make plays, like he wasn't doing anything in rhythm at all. And I mean, they won the game, but it was a struggle. And that was a game where I don't think you should be struggling if you have Super Bowl aspirations against the Bengals. Yep. Yeah, the. Uh... The Packers early season has been such a good reminder as to the fragility of like NFL success in the sense that all it took was the Packers like losing a couple offensive linemen for them to kind of change how they get into their offense, which kind of makes Rodgers a little bit more uncomfortable. And then they lose Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a player that nobody would be like is critical. But now all of a sudden, like the field stretcher is kind of gone and now Devontae's going to move down the field. And just all of a sudden, it's just like, it's not bad. It's just a little less efficient. You know, a little less, you know, Terminator, you know, unstoppable, a little more jumpy, another penalty here or there with an experienced offensive line. And now they're just like an offense. You know what I mean? And all it yep. took was just like, like, you know, they knew they were going to have Bakhtiari for six weeks. I like this, like surprise them. But it's just when you lose some of those key players, it just takes away what you what you can do. And so this offense, which was just so always in the right call under Rodgers with LaFleur. It's just not there anymore. And I think that just getting healthy gets it back, but I can't guarantee that. You know what I mean? And, the, like, the defense is just soft. Yeah. yeah. It's just soft. I, yeah. I uh, All of the different issues that all of the iterations of the Brandon Staley defense are having, including the Brandon Staley defense with the Chargers right now, is fascinating, right? It's one of the coolest things. It's something that I'm working on some content for. Stay plugged in. Follow the ringer. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, but yes, the <laughs> the Packers defense is an embarrassment. All right, uh, Cowboys at Patriots. Honestly, an extremely fun game. Not because of like winning or losing, because that the Cowboys are going to win. But Cowboys offense, which has been marching down the field on people against the Patriots defense, which while it doesn't necessarily have the personnel to be stopping guys right now. 
usually puts out a really nice blueprint, uh, you know, a good coaching effort in how to respond to this offense. I'm fascinated to see what happens in this game. But my buying or selling specifically focuses on Dak Prescott because Dak's game against the Giants was unbelievable. It was so good. You go back and you watch the film that no quarterback in the league, save for Tom Brady, has the amount of control at the offensive line that Prescott does control the line of scrimmage, ability to change plays, and he's always right and he's always cool. That little like fake pitch, fake option, throwback to Zeke, like you you don't get to do that unless your quarterback's just like right. He just you just trust him implicitly. So I love watching Dak right now. I think he's so much fun to watch. He's clearly more healthy than he was in Week One. He's awesome. So my buying or selling is this: Are you buying or selling that right now in terms of 2021 play, Prescott has been a top three quarterback in the league this year. My list, I'll let you guys think about it for a sec. My list would go Herbert, Lamar, and Dak in the top three, which is taking out Mahomes, who's been nuts good, but also like hasn't been as, you know, it's not been his best ever peak total plays, right? Like these, they've had some difficulty, whatever. Taking out Brady, who's been unbelievable this year, but that's who I would put in my top three right now, be Herbert, Lamar, and Dak in terms of just 2021 play. I think you're right because I think Brady has had some, for as unbelievable as he's been, even that throw, you know, that late throw last night, like he's 44 years old and rolling out and still making that pass to Antonio Brown to clinch it. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's had some mortal moments. Um, and that being said, like, I think your top three is spot on. I don't know how to to arrange it, though, because you can make the argument that Dak is number one in that list. That throw to CeeDee Lamb was diabolical. Yeah. The touchdown pass, yeah. diabolical. It's not real, dude. It's diabolical. Not, it's fake. It's I absolutely wa- fake. I think I, I I think that was a play I spent the most time rewatching because it's the three by one set where he's got Wilson circling back and he steers the zone match and then at the lat he gets I don't know who the safety is but he gets him the turn from he was they had CD Lamb ISO on the right side he's facing CD at the start of the play and then for about two seconds he starts to drift towards the middle field and as soon as he drifts snap and it's a perfect yeah. throw it's just diabolical shit I I wonder like how cool it must. Be feel to be that in control of yeah. an NFL game. Like Dak, speaking of content, I'm working on a little piece about like pre-snap stuff, the younger quarterbacks taking a step in that regard against those type of looks. And that's, I think that's a buy or sell. Like is Dak Peyton Manning? We're about to find out because we're about to, he's about to go up against the coach that tormented Peyton Manning at his peak. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is, is when we look at this game specifically, not just like my Dak take, the Patriots are running more drop eight than anybody in the league. They so they'll they'll rush three drop eight and then they blitz at like a decently high rate. And so they'll go from rushing three to rushing five, rushing six, and they will put different guys on the line. They will drop different guys. They will get into zones in weird ways. And then if they need to, they'll run cover one and they'll take away who they think your third down threat is. And they're right more often than they're not. Like they can do a lot of different stuff. And again, personnel-wise, Cowboys have a clear advantage. Then Cowboys are gonna be able to run the football. But if Dak remains Dak against this defense take the easy stuff, take the underneath targets, throw it to the running back, let them do work for you. And then when you see that glimpse of sunlight, take it and hit it with accuracy every single time. I just, I don't know. I'm going to lose my mind. I just, he's, he, the, he should be getting covered like Peyton Brady and Breeze got covered and he isn't. And it's in part because of the era that we're in where quarterback improvisation is just such a big deal, like out of pocket plays, incredible arm strength throws, but man, Prescott. Diabolical. <laughs> He's so good. And I don't think we're like I think a reason why people had so much issues 
realizing how good Dak was over the last couple of years. Because like it's even like last year, people were still like, "Oh, is Dak good?" And it's like this is like his second straight year of being a, an elite quarterback, and you're still asking that question. I think it's just that it's hard to recognize those strengths. Those like subtle things that he does, and like his pocket management isn't going to jump off the screen like a Kyler Murray on the run dime or a no look Mahomes pass. Exactly, making a check at the lines, fixing a protection isn't going to jump off the screen. It's not going to be in a, a highlight package. But he does all this stuff, and it, this year it's just taken to a, the next level, and he does it at such yeah. a high level that he's one of those quarterbacks where no matter what you do, you're probably going to lose on defense. Because he's going right. to get you in the right play, and he has all these weapons mm-hmm. to work with. So that's not even an option. Yeah. You can't just play man and take out his options like you could against Rodgers when I think it was like Jordy Nelson went down with an ACL injury and they couldn't separate. Mm-hmm. Cowboys don't have that issue. You can't play man against them either. I re-remembered a few, a few days ago that this team's getting Michael Gallup back. Like right. this team's getting a 1,000-yard receiver back from injury, and I had to sit down. I had to like wipe my brow and take a moment because that's just dumb. That shouldn't be allowed. You should be as good as you are now and get to get a player back. Um, okay, Prescott's unbelievable. Uh, I think. Right, I think. Yeah, I think. I think your. <laughs> I think your top tier of quarterbacks for the twenty twenty one play is Herbert, Lamar, Dak, and Mahomes, and you got to put it in whatever order you think you can put it. But to me, he's a top three quarterback, and he just doesn't get the shine he deserves. And I hope he dices up the Patriots and starts to get some of that shine. Steven, put a team on must win watch for me. Uh, I'm doing the Broncos. This is the second time I've put the Broncos on must-win watch. The first time they won, it was week one against the Giants. This time, they're going up against the Raiders. I forgot that we did must-win watch in week one. Oh, yeah. We started early. I would have done it in preseason if we were doing the pod. Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, you're you're at home. You're playing a Raiders team that (laughs) gestures at everything that's going on in that locker room right now. They have a new coach. Like, this – you have to win this game. And they're starting to lose ground in the, the AFC West after getting out to a lead, starting 3-0. and If you don't win this, I, I had them as a playoff team, and I still have faith that they can make the playoffs. Obviously, the, the Teddy injury kind of you know made things a little weird the last two weeks. But if they don't win this, I'm done. I'll, I'll cancel the next week. I'll do it. <laughs> the Raiders are 24th right now in offensive EPA. When did that happen? I felt like the offense was good. And then I was right, looking through right. stuff, right? And then they're, they're just twenty fourth. What? But they've they've lost the efficacy. Like the Josh Jacobs injury made them one dimensional, and now teams are doing a little bit of a better job taking away the explosive pass and cars kind of regressing. I think that the Joey Bosa hits are still kind of rattling around for him. I don't know, but in general, like in my head, I was like, all right, the Raiders have dropped a couple, but I expected them to drop a couple. You know, it's just like a mm-hmm. you know, little, little regression, whatever. They're twenty fourth in offensive EPA right now. This. Yeah. This team might not be, oh, they're just the Raiders, they're fringe playoff. They might be, like, legitimately not serious after everything that's happened to them over the last couple weeks. And, like, obviously this isn't the story with the John Gruden thing. It's all of the hateful things he said, and this doesn't matter, but they just lost their play caller, and that's going to matter on the field for them. It's going to have an impact. And we joke about how bad John Gruden has been as, like, a team builder, but he's been a damn good play caller. And they don't have that anymore. And I think this offense is going to continue to plummet without him. That's why I'm curious if, like, Derek Carr, or excuse me, yeah, like, if he's legit, like, as, you know, one of those upper tier minds, we'll see. I don't, there, there's never been an example in his career where we've been able to say that or really dissect that. 
But, you know, with Gruden not there, this is Derek Carr's show. So I'm really curious to see how, you know, whether or not the passing game gets finally going. Because, like you guys mentioned, the offense have not been good. It's been a first-half thing for them most of the time where they've just not shown up for two quarters and then decide to kick things up in the second half. But, you know, last week, again, all the, the circumstances obviously present. They didn't look good against the Bears. I'm not convinced that they'll turn things around anytime soon against, you know, a big Fangio mm-hmm. coach team. But th- this, we'll see. We'll see how good Derek Carr really is without John Gruden there. Yeah, this offense really struggled against the Sean Desai defensive structure. And Sean Desai is the grandson of Vic Fangio. Like, he's like, this is, uh, you're leveling up here a little bit. Um, I think they can give him some fits. Like, the condensed set stuff is tough for the Broncos, but it's, they're a very, very difficult team to trust right now in general. Uh, Seahawks-Steelers is our final game, which needs game. And I have this down as Kalen with a must win. I don't know if this is, is this allowed? Is this copyright infringement? Can you uh, do my this? Steel, I'm totally jockeying Steven's game. I'll allow it. I dig it. I'll I'll it. I want <laughs> I want everyone to do a must-win watch. But this is the thing. It's a must-win for both teams, right? Oh, so okay, okay. Sunny it's a must-win for both. Because when you look at the schedule, I mean, the, the weird thing is both teams are 2-3. and three. Like, if they were 3-2, and two, I wouldn't be saying – both teams are 3-2, and two, I wouldn't be saying this. But when you consider, you know, Seattle and Pittsburgh in past years, you know, they can afford – they could have afforded to had, you know, that mid-season, late-season dip. Last year, the Steelers started 11-0. You know, they sputtered towards the end and then made the playoffs at least, even though they lost in the first round. Um, but, I mean, e- even with Seattle, you know, we're accustomed to them maybe starting off fast, having a dip somewhere, and then finding a way to scrape into the playoffs. Considering the makeup of both their divisions, the AFC North and the NFC West, they they can't afford – neither of these teams can really afford to go down to 2-4. and four. I'm shocked that 538 only gave this a 53 out of 100 on its importance scale. Because I don't see a pathway for which the loser of this game at two and four to crawl their way into the playoffs. There's maybe five winnable games on mm-hmm. the schedule remaining for both teams. And I mean, the NFC West, the Cardinals are not the same Cardinals. They're not like the, it, the, the Seahawks are not going to be able, you know, the consistently beat them or even the Rams or the Niners. Those are three legitimate teams. Even the AFC North, the Bengals are at least average. You're not going to be able to steamroll them anymore. And the Ravens and the Browns look like legitimate contenders. So I don't know if there's a timeline for both teams to figure it out. I think Seattle has an upper hand because they'll get Russell Wilson back. Maybe they'll be able to turn things around to get a head start on, you know, figuring it out. But the Steelers, especially if they lose, I I think they're in too deep a hole to dig themselves out of. So I think this is massive for playoff implications moving forward. And it's a must win. Steven, Ben Roethlisberger, A dot, 8.2. He's back, his arm's back. Do you obviously agree? There's no way we can contend this. Right, yeah. I can't yeah. argue those facts. His A dot has been on the rise the last three weeks. 5.6 in week three, 6.9 in week four, 8.2 in week five. Give me a 10-yard A dot. Week what's six. His, what's his time to throw at, though? It's still ridiculous. Yes, probably. So is, what he's doing when he throws deep is just catching the ball and just launching it to the sideline in any direction. It doesn't usually go to the receiver, but he just launches it downfield. It's either like a pass at the line of scrimmage or he's throwing it downfield and nothing in between, and that's the problem with the, the offense. But this, I feel like this is a must-win game for me because I got a lot of takes riding on this. I got my Geno love yeah. and my Ben hate. 
I need Gino to come through. I need him to win. I'm going to have to cancel myself. He had an 8.2 A dot in week five with a 2.37 time to throw, which is the fastest time to throw of the week. Amazing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, like but, it honestly looks right. like he's just getting the ball and just launching it. It's like right. a hot potato. Like he just doesn't want it in his hands. In all, in, in, in legitimately all seriousness, against this Seahawks defense with Chase Claypool, who is so stinking good, Deontay Johnson is very, very good. Hot potato launcher Ben Roethlisberger, this model, it's enough. It, that plus Najee being really, really, really good right now, and obviously like right. the the volume has to be concerning. But Najee's looking great, and this defense, it's enough. It really is enough for the Steelers to like win some games, which is just astounding, but also like kind of impressive. And I think for the Steelers' defense, I think this is a big game too. Because they have to be dominant for this team to make the playoffs, right? And this is an offense that you should, on paper, be able to dominate. Even though they have some good receivers, it's still Geno Smith playing. It's still a back of quarterback. If you can't handle this challenge, then I don't know how you're going to handle the challenges in that division, particularly. Like the Ravens, how are you going to handle that? The Browns, how are you going to handle that if you can't handle the Geno Smith Seahawks? Mm-hmm. No sh- no shade towards uh, Geno Smith, by the yeah. way. He would have been in my top five <laughs> if Ben asked. <laughs> yeah, I would like to get before we uh, before we close this segment, button it up, uh, Stephen. Offensive points scored by the Seattle Seahawks against the Steelers. Do they win? Do they lose? Thirty point game. What are we expecting? Give us the Geno crystal ball projection. Twenty three points and a win. Oh yeah, twenty three twenty one Seahawks. Seahawks are holding anybody to twenty one points right now. That's a thing that's happening. Have you? St- have you seen Ben Roethlisberger ben play? Roethlisberger, he's not. Yeah. Have you seen the Seahawks defense, man? They do not know how to line up. Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing quarterback right now. It's a different sport he's playing. They've they've never had to defend a team like this. Is this is this is Steelers offense against Seahawks defense going to be like the biggest hate watch game of the season so far? It's a primetime game, so we have to watch it. I. What's your prediction for the game? How much points do you think these teams? I play? think the Steelers win it. I think the Steelers sit on the ball and they get a couple explosives and they get some DPIs and yada 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 whatever, and they're able to win. I I have a father who's a Steelers fan, a sister who's a Steelers fan, and and my my best man at my wedding was a Steelers fan. I've tried so long to explain to these people that their team is not real. So every time they win one of these games, I have to go again and be like, guys, it isn't real, and it just continues to fall on deaf yins or ears. And at this point, I'm just tired. But they're probably going to win this game. I don't We're moving on. Ben Roethlisberger. Wait, Caleb, do you have a pick? I have the Seahawks. I don't Let's think the Seahawks oh, win I'm lone wolfing the, the Steelers. Yeah, oh. yeah, I'm not confident in Ben Roethlisberger, man. These are dire straits to which I've been driven. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. 
Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Okay, we're going on to give me a reason. This is our final segment of the show where we take all the games that remain. Kayla and Steven asks for reasons to watch them. I try to give reasons, and they adjudicate under the quality of the reasons. I generally don't do very well because the games are bad, but I do my best. We have six games on the docket. Steven, Kalen, what would we like to start with? Let's go uh, Dolphins-Jaguars. Let's get into Urban Decay. Uh, yep. Our weekly recurring Urban segment Decay. here on, <laughs> uh, on Give Me a Reason is Urban Decay, where we talk about the state of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This week's quote. Uh, Urban Meyer says on, I want to say Monday or Tuesday, uh, if you say, what's the identity of the Jacksonville Jaguar offense? It's a physical offense that runs the ball and it's balanced. Our goal is always 250-250. And by 250-250, he means 250 passing yards and 250 rushing yards in a game, which is a very lofty goal to have. In an uh, NFL game. Yes. So if you're thinking to yourself, wow, I wonder if that's a thing that happens. It does. No team has ever in NFL history had more than one game in a season of 250-250. So it's a, usually a one-off. Uh, the Saints had a game. The Titans had a game of 250-250 of last year. The Bills had a game in 2016 of 250-250 that they ended up losing in overtime, which is incredible. I didn't think you could have that balanced of an attack and lose a game if you talk to NFL coaches. Uh, so Urban's goal is 250-250. He was able to do it at Ohio State fairly frequently. Uh, but doing it in the NFL is extremely difficult. If you're lucky, two teams do it in a season, and they only do it once. So tune into Dolphins-Jaguars to see if the Jacksonville Jaguars generate 500 yards of perfectly balanced offense. Let me say this to Urban <laughs> Meyer. Uh, I feel like that is not the identity of the Jaguars, which you explained. Like if you ask the the random NFL fan, that is not their identity. So he needs to do a better job of actually making that the identity. But no, I'm not going to watch this game because it's not going to happen. I would love if a coach just hit us with, yeah, the identity of the team is that we're fast, we're quick, we're good in space, and we know that means we're not physical, but whatever. You know what I mean? But no, identity is always physical. That's how it works in football. I want a team to be like, yeah, we're pretty bad. We haven't won a game. Uh, I just got caught on camera, like, nope. with some <laughs> random woman in Cincinnati. That's the identity of this team right now, <laughs> that they can't do anything right, including the coach. That's the identity. I'm sorry, Urban Meyer. You're not going to run for 250 yards ever. It's not going to happen. Can I bet on that somewhere, that Urban Meyer will never – his team will never run for 250 yards in a game? Probably. Yeah. I mean, like – with the proliferation of books, some book somewhere will have it. I can't promise it's good juice, but if you want to go for it, you can. Uh, James Robinson looks good, though, which is shocking, considering that he was a first-round pick at running back. Wait, I'm getting some news. Turns out he oh, wasn't no. the first-round pick at running back. Oh, the Jaguars are horribly mismanaged. Uh, so that's a buzzer from Steven. Kalen? Yeah, I'm not watching, but I, I completely forgot that he said that this week. Like, when you said that, the, I, like, I knew where you were going, and I was like, He's at the 250-250 quote this week. It's kind of mm-hmm. – I'm not – I don't mean to compare him to Trump, but it's kind of like where he, every week he does something crazy and you're just like, oh, wow, that that was this week. That was relatively soon. So, no, I'm not yeah. watching. But The absurdity of Urban Meyer distorts time and space. I don't disagree. Uh, all right, so that's buzzers on both. Steven, Kalen, five games left. What would we like? Um, let's go with Houston versus Indianapolis. 
Alright, so this was the most difficult one of the week. This is a 10-point line for a 1-4 and four team in the Colts. They're favored by a touchdown and a field goal. That's how you know it's going to be bad. Uh, obviously, I do have to mention that I was told on this podcast by my co-host that Davis Mills was a bad rookie quarterback. He subsequently almost beat the New England Patriots. He looked good! And I made sure I added both Kalen and Steven in every single highlight that made it on the timeline. Uh He's in his fourth consecutive start, and like Tyrod is working his way back. And I think there was a quote that said Tyrod will be their starter when he comes back. But I do think you have to feel decent about what you've seen from Davis Mills as a young, developing team trying to develop assets. Regardless, I know I'm not going to get you to watch for Davis Mills. And so I will say that the Houston Texans uh, against the New England Patriots last week had three players score touchdowns. One was Chris Conley. Uh, he was a decently early drafted athletic guy out of uh, Georgia. Another was Chris Moore, who's a wide receiver. Does anyone know who the third guy was to catch a touchdown from Davis Mills? Um, Adkins, Jordan Adkins. No, good guess, though. Damn. It was a tight end. I got nothing. It was the young man, Anthony Eclair, from... Champlain, Lennoxville, Laval. He has a college and a university listed on his Wikipedia. Don't really know how that works. I was born in Quebec. I was a CFL player. He was a former Buccaneer. I did not know that. But anyway, so Anthony Eclair, a guy, just no idea who this person was until he caught a touchdown. And so for Kalen, who has covered the league for like two, two, three years, Kalen, covered the year for two years. years. Steven, who's covered the league for like six, seven years. Yeah. Six, yeah. Six years? Tune in to Texans-Colts because it's your only chance of seeing someone score a touchdown and not knowing who that person is, which as writers in the league never happens. Recapture some of the joys of your youth and be confused by who players are. Houston Texans, baby. Damn. Uh, you, know, you, you know we're not watching this. <laughs> no, come on. Oh, that's good. Oh. I might, I might watch it, Ben. Well, that's because you love Al Claire for some reason. That's like your Geno Smith. Apparently, <laughs> no. So Al Claire's PR people reached out to me last year, and I was he has like, PR oh, people. Yeah, he has PR <laughs> people. They're not they doing a good job. To me last They're not doing year. a good job. <laughs> what, They're doing a great the, job. I know who he is. I was like, oh, I don't know who he is. What did they want? I can't remember. He, it was something about the lockout or the the COVID. Something. It had to do with COVID. I I turned them down, but it, very nice people. Um. <laughs> That that being said, I love Chris Conley too. Like that that was my one of my guys when he was at Georgia. I thought he was going to be way better than he is. Didn't know who Chris Moore was. Hardly know who Jordan Atkins was. Do they have Farrell Brown from Oregon? Right, he is there. He's injured, I believe. Uh, so I'm Damn. not sure if he played last week, but I know he's not necessarily available. He had two catches for 22 yards against the Patriots. Yeah, they they have some guys I like. I know it's a ragtag team, expansion team esque, but I mean they get they got some players I like. Um, I'll watch them to see if Carson Wentz. Looks any better too? Like I think he he's been okay, Ben. I don't know what your thoughts are, but he's been serviceable. No. Good game against the Ravens. I expect to have a good game against Houston with the way that pass defense plays. I like how much they spread the ball around. They're definitely convincing him to take his easier throws. It's the stuff that they were hoping they'd get off the ground right away, but it's taking time to kind of unravel those habits and install new ones. Obviously, you miss some time in camp. Uh, I don't think the Colts are good enough overall. I think the defense got problems. Uh, Darius Leonard right now is the quietest $95 million man in the NFL, and that's not something really getting talked about too much. So the Colts overall, I don't think, have too much punch, but it's a bad AFC South, and yep, I do agree that Wentz has played better week after week. So, yeah. 
Oh man, I can't believe I got a, a win because of Anthony Anthony Eclair. What a what a what a joy. This is why we do give you a reason, folks, for the Anthony Eclairs of the world. Four games left. What do we got? Give us uh, Chiefs Washington. All right, I like this one. Uh, Chiefs Washington. The Chiefs are coming into this game two and three, uh, which is the second time in NFL history in his career that Mahomes will play a game with a losing record. Right, since he's played for the Chiefs, they've always shown up the games either you know, 0-0 or having a, a winning record. The first time we saw Mahomes play with a losing record was two weeks ago. He was 1-2 and two, uh, facing the Philadelphia Eagles in week four. Mahomes subsequently went 24 for 30, 278 yards and five touchdowns. It was kind of a good game. The Chiefs scored 42 total points. Now they face the Washington football team, which is 29th in the league in defensive passing DVOA. Terry McLaurin is also potentially out for this game. That news just broke. He was limited in practice on Friday with a hamstring. So, the Chiefs are definitely not what they once were, but Mahomes is still playing out of his mind. Tune in to Chiefs football team to watch pissed-off Patrick Mahomes absolutely delete the Washington football team, who we are all rightfully like not really kind of a little bit pissed off at this week with how Washington football team is handling their situation, yeah. some of the bad press that they're somehow sidestepping. So a little revenge kill. Uh, Patrick Mahomes up against Washington football team. He's going to hang 50 on them. It's going to be great. You didn't pick the Sean Taylor number retirement? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was happening. I had not been (laughs) informed. Guess what? Neither did Washington a couple days ago. Nope. Oh, what a complete (laughs) debacle. Well, no, I'm going to watch this. Well, I have to watch it for my job because I have to report on it for the Sunday night show. Uh, But I want to watch it anyway because, like you said, Patrick Mahomes. Right. Pissed off, angry, bad defense. He's going to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. So, yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching, too. Yeah, it's Mahomes. Just repeat our reason, yeah. yeah. Fake All football right. team. Dude, people keep asking. They're like, what's wrong with Washington? I'm like, the, uh, they're, they're just, not everyone, real. Everyone's playing badly. <laughs> like, that's the best I've got right now. It's like all the players that were supposed to be good are bad, and all the players that were supposed to be hidden by the good players are also still bad. And so that's where we're at. And now Terry McLaurin's hurt. So I don't know what you hang your hat on here. Uh, three games left. What would we like? Uh, give me the Buffalo Bills versus the Tennessee Titans. Okay, this one was one of the, the, the trickiest ones as well. It is the Monday Night Football game, which, as I always argue, means it's a win by default. But more seriously, uh, the Bills played the Titans last year. They were 4-0, and and they got absolutely steamrolled. It was the Josh Norman uh, stiff-arm game. Which Sean McDermott was asked about, and he was like, yeah, every time we see that highlight, we have to re-remember that loss. And he sounded very sad about it. So this is a real, like, actual, not like revenge game sort of a thing, but, like, the Bills have had, they certainly had the Chiefs game circled. They probably had the Titans game circled as well. Uh, right now, the Bills lead the league in scoring offense, in EPA per play on defense, and scoring defense, in turnover differential and important point margin, and they're playing a Titans team that lost to the Jets. So, number one... Bills rampage right now. I think the Bills are probably the most dominant team to watch in the NFL, so that's fun. But number two, does Derrick Henry poster another Bills defensive back? And if so, whom? That's the true question. Is Derrick Henry like, listen, game's 35-3, to fourth quarter, not winning this. I just want outside runs, and I want to find Levi Wallace, who weighs 165 pounds, and I want to plant him so far into the earth that a Levi Wallace tree grows in the next 100 years. That's what I'm watching for. Bill's dominance, and does Derrick Henry try to find another Bill's defensive back to put on a milk carton? Wow, this is good. You got to give him a ding yeah, for that, buddy. Chris. That was yeah, good. I'll give, that was I'll good. give him a ding. Uh, I, 
I'm also on like Bills defense. Is it real watch? Like I tend to believe that they're pretty good, but are they historically dominant like they've been, or has it been who they've played? Obviously, mm-hmm. they just did it against Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. but I think this is a different type of offense. And I think Julio and AJ Brown are coming back, so they both have the potential. Brown was on the snap count, but Julio practiced this week, and so I I don't think either is expected to be 100, percent but both might play, which and I agree. Just, and just them being out there is going to change things. Mm-hmm. For the nope. Bills defense and how they call their defense. So I think it's a good test for the, the Bills defense, and we'll start to see is this going to continue throughout the whole year, or is it like just a small sample size thing so far? Their dominance on defense. Uh, I literally just looked up the Bills' schedule. They get Titans, Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets. I just want to find, uh, yeah, they get, you know, they get some easy Take games. I, I wish we could talk about them again, and we have to find an opportunity to do it because that is Bills' defense legit question, as to me, like, in terms of like figuring out the Super Bowl picture right now, that's one of the most important questions. I think they are, and I also think they're the sort of team that gets better late. Like if you look at how they're rotating that defensive line, they're going to be so fresh in December and in January, and like that's awesome. Play two high structures, like that's great. Tredavious White can eliminate wide receiver ones, that's great. I think they are, but it definitely is something that like requires that 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 healthy suspicion with some of the teams they've faced so far. And, and McDermott's defenses tend to get better. Yeah. In the second half of the year, man, I think, I think I picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl, and I think that picked the Packers to beat them. So not that that's not looking great right now, but the I Bills picked the Ravens, fifty percent. Lamar yeah. MVP though, I was yeah. on that. I, uh, I just yeah, the, the, to me right now the Bills are the most dominant team. Two games left. What would we like? Uh, let's do uh, Rams Giants. All right. Uh, Giants obviously dealing with extensive injuries right now. Uh, as of recording on Friday morning, the Friday injury reports are kind of coming out ad hoc, and so we don't necessarily know exactly what's happening with Giants practice, but uh, Saquon Barkley did not participate Wednesday, did not participate Thursday. Kenny Galladay did not participate Wednesday, did not participate Thursday. Daniel Jones was a limited participant on Thursday after on Wednesday Joe Judge had to be informed by the media that he wasn't practicing, which is always great when you're head coach just doesn't know what the quarterback status is for Wednesday practice. We love to see it. But anyway, Giants are coming in super banged up. Rams obviously are feeling great. This is probably going to be a dominant game. But Florida uh, rookie receiver, Kadarius Toney, coming out of Florida, who just came out of nowhere, 10 catches, 180 yards, touchdown, looked unbelievable against the Cowboys, played in the game long enough to put up incredible stats, get a couple highlights, saw his team getting beat up, and figured – Let's just throw a punch at Trevon Diggs. Let's just throw a punch at a, at a helmet at Trevon Diggs, start a fight, get yelled at by Joe Judge, get kicked out of the game, get a free shower, get a shower early, get to go get a snack, don't have to deal with this fourth quarter. We appreciate the wisdom. <laughs> In the event that Kenny Galladay is not playing, which is very likely, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, also both limited practice players, and we get Kadarius Toney out there as a starter again, there's a good chance he lines up against Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey's been playing more slot corner this year than he ever has before. Ramsey, who is also known for some pugnacious tendencies, for some uh, uh, rabble-rousing, as it were. So tune in to Giants-Rams to see if Kadarius Tony and Jalen Ramsey fight on the field in the fourth quarter blowout. <laughs> for Tony's sake, I hope not. I don't yeah. think that's a great matchup for him. But I am happy I never sold my Tony stock after a- Did you have Tony stock? Yeah, I was. Uh, I know, like a lot of the people that we talked to, didn't weren't high on him. But I, I saw. I was like, "There's enough here. Like, if he figures out some things and cleans some things up, he's going to be really good." Mm-hmm. And hopefully, that's happening. But I mean, so he's off to a good start right now. But yeah, uh, Jalen Ramsey versus Tony. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I'm good in too. That's messy. 
Uh, were you a Tony fan, Kalen? Because you, you obviously you've had been in college for a while, and so. Yeah, no, I liked him. I mm-hmm. saw, like again, like the big explosive speed that everyone else saw, but the consistency I was worried about being like translating to the next level. But right. I was I wasn't a hater. I wasn't a, a diehard. Elijah Moore was my guy, but yeah, he hasn't been hit yet so tony's acls are made out of steel wire and it just lets him do stuff that (laughs) nobody else gets to do kids unbelievable uh i wanted him to end somewhere where there was like a better offensive designer but the stuff they gave him against the cowboys was like nifty you know what i mean like they did some they did some them cool stuff for him let him run some cool routes and so i i think it'd be a lot of fun if tony just ends up being really good because he's just such a unique mover because those sort of players are a lot of fun last game on the docket Bengals at lions uh tough sell i tried to build the case for the lions winning this game you can kind of get your head around it if they're able to run the football well enough uh they're actually like better than the Bengals' offense in success rate right now they have a better turnover differential this Bengals' offense just doesn't look good on like a lot of advanced stats but it's a tough case to make i think the lions will eventually win one this might be the week but i'm not going to go that way instead i'm going to go uh with the lions they're the first team in nfl history to lose two games in the same season to game-winning 50-plus yard field goals with no time left, like as the clock expires. The first team to ever do it. It took them exactly five weeks. It happened in in almost consecutive weeks. So shout-out to the Lions. The Bengals starting kicker Evan McPherson, as we saw, missed two potential game-winning 50-yard field goals against the Packers. 57-yarder in regulation and then the 49-yarder in overtime. So something's got to give Bengals-Lions. Basically, what I'm hoping for is two seconds on the clock. Bengals are down by two, lining up for a 53-yard field goal. And we got to see which, what it is, which domino it is that fall. The stoppable force and the movable object turn in to watch Bengals-Lions and to see certainly something awful happen in the kicking game. Uh, this is a buzzer. I feel like we've yeah. given you enough dings today, so you were due for a buzzer. <laughs> nah, but... nice. this, is one of my, this is one of my stronger performances, but yeah, this one was a tough one. I really wanted to get Lions win as the reason. I just couldn't get the argument strong enough. I might have I might have been on board for that, but like when your argument is the last three seconds of this game are gonna be amazing. I'm not gonna right. tune in for the first fifty nine minutes and fifty seven seconds of yeah. it. That's a that's that's a red zone right there, and I respect it. That'll do it for us. This was the Friday Ringer NFL show where we walk you through the games. Thank you so much to Kalen and Steven, as always, for joining me on the show. Steven and I, along with Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati, will, of course, be on the Sunday evening, Monday morning show, recapping all of the week six action. Thank you kindly for our man behind the curtain, Chris Sutton, for his production help, and his man behind the curtain, Arjuna Rampable, for his production help. Same time, same place, next week.